Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sports Ball, an educational celebration of useless shock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode for you today. So special. Are you ready to get down on it? Yeah. It's National Blueberry Popsicle Day. Oh, fuck. We've done a lot of popsicles and ice cream this year. <laughs> Just ends up being that day. All right. So uh, we'll do the scoreboard stumper. We'll do our flex seal of the week. We've got three jabronis. Um, we'll get into our Hall of Fame inductee, Maurice Jones Drew. We'll do our stumper answer. We'll chase the Mendoza line. We'll play sloppy top. We'll go to church. We'll dish out some shampoo, and then we'll send you on your merry little way. So without further ado, hit me with that scoreboard stumper, Scotty. All right. So this year will be Tom Brady's 19th week one, week one start. Diesel Pete. I know. Um, so he has played 18 week one appearances. I want to know in that 18 games, what is his record for week one of NFL coming up? Is it going to be 13 and 5, 14 and 4, or 15 and 3? 13 and 5. All right. We'll roll back on that one. Okay. We'll get to that later. So it takes us to our flex seal of the week the super strong waterproof tape. That can instantly patch, bond, seal, and repair. Each week, we recognize a franchise transaction that in no way fills the needs of the organization. This week's Flex Seal of the Week is Red's new third baseman, Asdrubal Cabrera. Let me start by saying I am an Asdrubal Cabrera fan and a Red's fan. Mm -hmm. It just seems like a really crowded position. Suarez is hitting below the Mendoza line. A little teaser for later. Um, <laughs> they've got um the very expensive Mike Mustakas who plays third base and is also hitting like two ten. Yes, you also got Max Schrock. You got Senzel at AAA. Uh, and so now you option your number one top prospect Jose Barrera down to AAA in order to to pick up as Dribble Cabrera off waivers. Rarely does a a player or a transaction perfectly meet the description of this segment. And right now, we're sitting in it. We're just sitting in it right now. And as Drupal Cabrera, yeah, third baseman. Yeah, we have four of them. He's batting 240. Yeah. <sighs> Hardly an upgrade. Yeah, I don't know. Flex seal of the week. <laughs> All right. It hurts. So, um, getting to our notable jabronis. First, we'll do... We'll jabbernize. We'll do a Scotty jabbernization, meaning... When, when you jabbernize a a whole group or organization. And so we're going to jabbernize ESPN. <laughs> Again, it's a Tedfordization. A Tedfordization. <laughs> <laughs> the Tedfordization of ESPN. It's, it's a shit show down at uh, Bristol, Connecticut recently. Their relationship with Rachel Nichols is not ending gracefully. No, um... Rachel Nichols made some comments that were recorded 
uh, they were released in July, and she was put kind of just in the background, not doing anything for about a month now. They just they just finally did part ways with her. Um, the thing is, she she said about fellow reporter Maria Taylor that um, ESPN was giving Maria Taylor more screen time pretty much because she was black. But she also, but Rachel Nichols did also point out that ESPN has a, quote, crappy long-time record on diversity. Um, and she also sees it from the female side. So ESPN's sitting in that pile of shit. <laughs> Maria Taylor also left because of the comments and signed an $8 million deal with NBC. Uh, and then <laughs> Rachel Nichols is now gone, too. Honestly, I love Rachel Nichols, so... Me, too. She'll probably get a podcast or something. Well, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure she already has her own. Um, or she'll get a big network job. It's just, like, you know, they ESPN recently, recently fucked up with Jamel Hill. Um, and now, seriously, Rachel Nichols is off the air? I, that, that hurts. And then we have ESPN... <laughs> With the bishop. Oh, so yeah, we can use that to lead straight into the next one. Yeah. ESPN's involved in the next one too. It's uh Roy Johnson, who is Bishop Sycamore, quote unquote, uh head coach. <laughs> quote unquote head coach. Um, <laughs> you could maybe call him gang leader. Um Felon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he wears many hats. <laughs> Um, so do his players. <laughs> Scotty, you found this one. I'll let you unravel it for everyone. <laughs> okay, so ESPN just aired a um, a football game between Bishop Sycamore, which is allegedly from Columbus, Ohio. They were playing IMG Football Academy, and they lost 58 to nothing. So B- Bishop Sycamore is... Televised. This is a nationally televised game. They're not even a school. More or less a team. And their head coach was just on national television and he has a warrant out for his arrest. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, oh, I can't find this guy. <laughs> ESPN did not do their homework on that. Like two cops sitting there, like having lunch at Applebee's, <laughs> look at the TV and they're like, that's that guy. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> Crack the case. <laughs> Do they sell donuts at Applebee's? Oh, I have those like donut bites, probably. I don't know. <laughs> All right. One last jabroni. We've got Javier Baez, uh, now of the New York Mets. Yeah. Um, so Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor and Kevin Pillar all gave the fans a thumbs down sign. Uh, during a game because they were tired of being booed. Um, they're being booed because they went eight, they had eight wins and 19 losses in August. The Mets were in first po- place in the, uh, the NL East and it was their division to lose. Well, they've lost it. Um, Javier Baez is currently hitting 210 with four homers in that, in that 17 games that he'd played with the Mets. So, the fans are frustrated, but it's like it's also the level of professionalism to be not boo the fans back. I don't know. I'm t- I'm just sick of Javier Baez's shit. <laughs> He's a little bitch. I hate his ass. <laughs> so we done with you, Javier Baez, and so is the NLEs. They're chewing you up and spitting you out. Yeah, we're done with you. 
All right, let's move on to our Hall of Fame inductee, Maurice Jones Drew. Maurice Christopher Jones Drew was born March 23, 1985, in Oakland, California, to Sidney Gales and Andrea Drew. Maurice was raised in Antioch, California, by his maternal grandparents, Maurice and Christina Jones, and would attend De La Salle High School in Concord. Maurice competed in track and football during high school, playing both linebacker and running back. De La Salle owns the record for the longest winning streak in high school football history with 151 straight wins. And fortunate for Jones Drew, his teams were part of that 151-game win streak. Jones Drew jumped into the national spotlight in his junior season of high school when he scored all four of his team's touchdowns in a televised matchup between the number one and number two nationally ranked teams. He would average nearly 12 yards per carry and rush for 2,000 yards while scoring 26 touchdowns. Maurice accepted a football scholarship to UCLA after high school, and though he stood at just five foot seven, he would feature as both a running back and a kick returner under head coach Carl Dorrell from 2003 to 2005. As a sophomore, Jones Drew set UCLA's all-time record for rushing yards in a single game with 322, along with five touchdowns in the trouncing of Washington. Damn. <laughs> Again. <laughs> double damn. Double, double damn. <laughs> in his final year of college, his junior year, Maurice became the fifth player in school history to lead the team in rushing for three straight seasons. He also was the first Bruin since Jackie Robinson to lead the country in punt returning. Jones Drew would take home first-team All-Pac-10 honors, but at the 2006 NFL Draft, he was passed on by all 32 teams in the first round. His numbers were stellar, but scouts couldn't get over his listing of 5-foot, 6-and-3-4-inch frame and didn't think he could succeed in the NFL. His 40 time didn't help either, clocking in at 4.39 seconds. But in the second round, the Jacksonville Jaguars drafted him 60th overall to one day replace Fred Taylor. Maurice chose the number 32 since all 32 teams had passed on him and he was set to make them remember it. Early in his rookie year, Jones Drew was limited to kick returns and would eventually work his way to being the Jags third down running back. In a December game against the Colts, his season exploded as he would set a franchise record with 166 rushing yards and total 303 all-purpose yards, thanks in part to a 93-yard kickoff return. He'd end the season with 2,250 all-purpose yards, the third most by any rookie in NFL history, and 16 total touchdowns. The Jags would make the playoffs where they bounced the Pittsburgh Steelers, aided by a 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown but they would fall the next week to the New England Patriots. Unfortunately for MJD, he'd finish second in Rookie of the Year voting to Vince Young. Ouch. Vince Young. For 2007 and 2008, you could say that Maurice's role in the running game was limited, but that's because his role in the passing game became significant. While he did account for 21 rushing touchdowns in those two years, he'd catch 102 passes for 972 yards. 2009 was a record-breaking season for MJD. In a Week 8 loss to the Colts, Jones Drew carried the ball just eight times for 177 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. One of his touchdown runs was for 80 yards and the other for 79, tying Barry Sanders' record for rushing for two touchdowns in a single game of 75 yards or more. Jesus. He would finish the year with 1,391 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns, as well as 53 receptions for 374 yards and a touchdown. 
MJD played the entire 2010 season with a torn meniscus, but tried to keep it a secret to prevent opponents from taking cheap shots on his left knee. The injury didn't show as he would finish with 1,324 yards rushing, and at season's end was named Running Back of the Year by the NFL Alumni Association. The Jags did not make the playoffs that year, but Jones-Drew gained attention for comments made about the severity of an in-game injury to Chicago Bears QB Jay Cutler in the NFC Championship game. He stated, All I'm saying is that he can finish the game on a hurt knee. I played the whole season on one. <laughs> so our boy Jones-Drew, he jabbernized yeah. Jay Cutler <laughs> way before we did. His in-game jabbernization. In-game jabbernization. <laughs> Hats off to you, Jones Drew. 2011 was by far Maurice's best year in the league. He led the NFL in rushing with 1,606 yards and had 1,980 yards from scrimmage, both Jaguars records. He did all this despite Jacksonville's offensive struggles, accounting for 47.7% of the Jaguars' yards for the season. The NFL Network ranked Jones Drew as the number 12 player on the network's top 100 players list. Maurice started 2012 by not attending any organized team activities or training camp in an attempt to leverage a new contract with the Jaguars. At the time, he was paid less than eight other running backs, all of whom hadn't just led the league in rushing the year before. They didn't have almost 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Yeah. On September 2nd, 2012... MJD reported to the Jags facility without a new contract. And though he led the team in rushing, it was only for 414 yards on 86 carries. In 2013, Maurice nearly doubled his yards to, do, to 803, but the team was floundering again. And after eight seasons with the Jags, he became a free agent in March of 2014. Later that same month, the Oakland Raiders signed him to a three-year deal that returned Maurice to the Bay Area. Jones-Drew's 2014 season was marred with futility as he would be stuck behind Darren McFadden and Latavius Murray and finished with just 96 yards rushing and zero touchdowns. In March of 2015, MJD announced his retirement from pro football at age 29. But with no love lost to the Jags, he signed a one-day contract with Jacksonville to officially retire as a Jaguar. Most NFL fans will remember the vicious block that Maurice laid on Sean Merriman of the San Diego Chargers. Seeing the five foot seven inch man that people had nicknamed Pocket Hercules lay out a top linebacker is something that has to be seen to be believed. Maurice still holds eight Jaguars franchise records, including most career touchdowns and most rushing touchdowns in a season, which was hard to do with Fred Taylor in the fray. Following his retirement, Jones Drew became an analyst for the NFL Network and currently serves as the color commentator for the Los Angeles Rams. Maurice Jones Drew was deemed too short and too slow to succeed, but he not only succeeded, he led the NFL in rushing and left lasting images in our minds as fans, making him nonetheless a legend. Truly a legend. Absolutely. What a dude. A pocket Hercules. Pocket Hercules. <laughs> I also, I do like when he, like, they'll have him on as an analyst on NFL Network, and I do like his insight a lot of the time. Yeah, I guess with a, with a guy like that, you have to just see the game a different way. Yeah, uh, he does a good job. He's, he's interesting, dude. Um, in the, during his 2013 season, he returned to college and lived in a dorm at UCLA <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> to get his to complete his bachelor's. 
<laughs> Can you imagine you're like, like it's like crawling back into the womb? I bet he was an RA just to be an asshole. <laughs> no, but um a cool story about him. I mean, kind of sad but kind of beautiful. Um he got he his surname, he added Joe he made it Jones Drew on purpose uh for his grandfather. Um before he was about to play in his junior year, his uh grandpa like had a heart attack while entering the Rose Bowl in Pasadena to see him play. And so then he, he was able to hyphenate like Jones Drew on the back of his all of his all of his jerseys. And it was just cool like tribute to his grandpa. Cool. I mean he was raised by him. So yeah, they raised him so super super cool cool guy. All right. Without further ado, Scott Tedford Barnes hit me with that scoreboard stumper answer. Okay, um, this is going to be Tom Brady's 19th week one start. So he has compiled 18 so far. I wanted to know what are his what is his record in those 18 games? Is it 13 and five? Is it 14 and four? Or is it 15 and three? I said 13 and five. It is 14 and four. Oh, it's game off. I know. Close one, though. Close one. <laughs> the funny thing is, I th- like, feel like he always lost to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> the Patriots he always- doesn't play well in warm weather, <laughs> which made which made it crazy to me that he went to Tampa Bay because he doesn't usually play well in warm weather. Yeah, I guess it, he went down there to get used to it, just like old people do. Like you, <laughs> like Brady's <laughs> Brady's better in November, you know? Yeah, there's like five inches of snow games, yeah. All right, time for Chasing the Mendoza Line. Mendoza! Chasing the Mendoza Line. Statistical updates on Major League hitters chasing the prestigious 200 batting average club. Um, There is currently only one player chasing the <laughs> Mendoza Line. And guess who it is? It's our very own... Eugenio Suarez of the Cincinnati Reds. Um, he's actually down three more points to 169, if you would believe that. He is one of his last 14 for a 071 average. And you might be thinking, well, that's a really small sample size. But no, 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 no. He's four of his last 42. So he's headed the wrong way. He's he's he he's using MapQuest or something. <laughs> he's going the wrong way. Like, uh, I'm sober and I feel like I just black out during his at bats because I don't think anything's gonna happen. I mean, he hits how many how many home runs does he have? It's like twenty twenty some twenty something. It's like uh, don't blink. I guess <laughs> Brian on pace for a thirty home run, hundred RBI season, which is crazy. <laughs> like how you hit that low and still put up. That kind of production. But. Not with those Drupal Cabrera in town. Watch out. <laughs> Suarez and the Flex Seals. That's my new band name. Uh, well, since we only have one person driving south on the Mendoza line, well, uh, premature shampoo to Solaire. He's up, all the way up to 213 now. Ooh, uh, Mendoza shampoo. And then uh, new to the radar is Yankees new edition, Joey Gallo. Uh, he's down to 204. He's three of his last 32. So we might be seeing him 
He might we might be seeing him below the Mendoza line here soon. Come to the dark side. Come to the dark side with Suarez. <laughs> we have candy. <laughs> it is gym day. <laughs> he needs gym day. All right, let's play slop the top. Sloppy Top, our wordplay segment. This week's Sloppy Top topic, what do you call it when a player's status on the depth chart is dictated purely by his team crippling salary? Right. Examples? You got some examples? Oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Some uh, very local examples. I, whenever I think of this, I think of Roger Dorn from Major League. Uh, like uh, he's only at third base because he like makes X amount of money. Shortstop. Shortstop. Okay. Yeah. I just remember. I just remember in Major League Two when they make him go out there and step into a pitch. Yeah. <laughs> I meant like real life examples, but that's even better. I think. Yeah. <laughs> tumor. <laughs> it's not a tumor. That's what you say when they hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> It's vindication. <laughs> what do they call it? What do they put on your uh, on your tire when they don't want, when they make it so your car can't move? Uh, like a boot. <laughs> there you go. Car no go. <laughs> yeah, because then it can make sense. It can apply to different. It can apply to different cars. Like, oh, what's wrong with the Yankees? They got a boot. They got a boot at third base. They got, you know, what's wrong with the Reds? Oh, Suarez is a boot. They had a boot on their team for four <laughs> years. They're screwed. Yeah, I like that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Our sloppy top answer is boot. A boot is a player who starts because of their salary and holds their team back in doing so. Most cases, anyway. Despite their performance, yeah. So people survive the boot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to church. All right. Um, first, we have confessional. A sinner comes before you. Um, Scott had a little promo gaffe or blunder last, last episode. So we just changed our format so that Nick and I go back and forth to end the show. He's like, yeah, just like say like a couple other episodes that people should watch because we're going to be off next week. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, that works. So I get there and it's like, watch new ep- ep- watch other episodes or listen to other episodes like Doug Williams. And then I just went completely smooth brain and just silence. And I'm like, Ugh. if you took out the editing, it's like us sitting there for like five seconds. I'm still waiting there to see if like you're going to like think of a couple more to mention and then you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just started laughing. We both sat there for a second. I just like cliffhangers, you know? Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, my bad. Um, definitely, I feel like an idiot. Um, just completely. Shame. Glossed over. Shame. Shame. Well, shame. All right, thoughts and prayers to Cam Newton. Ugh. He was cut by the Patriots. Um, and is not he's not going to be in a backup role. Which kind of makes sense, because if 
Mac Jones is going to go down, then you have a guy who, who has his playing style playing behind him. Right. You don't necessarily want to go back to a different style of offense midseason, maybe. Yeah. And Cam's problem seemed to be turnovers with the with the Patriots. He, he didn't he didn't look good in his final his final preseason start either. It might be secretly. Well, actually, I heard somewhere um, that Cam was telling people he was telling the press that he was named the starter. I don't think um, I don't think the hoodie likes when guys do stuff like that. Yeah, and the hoodie's not a fan of that. Absolutely, aka not. Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah, well, we we wish Cam Newton the best. That's why he's the thoughts and prayers. Like, um, I hope he lands somewhere and just like gets a starting job. I mean, what about San Francisco? What about like whatever the hell Chicago's San doing? San Francisco likes Trey Lance. Yeah. But I hope jo- like hope- if he's, if the Texans were losing Watson because of his allegations, I could see that being a spot. What if he just goes back to the Panthers? <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> Ron Rivera's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they let him go already, so I don't know if they want him back. Yeah, toxic, right. toxic relationship. And then that leads perfectly into our shampoo this week. Shampoo. Shampoo to Mac Jones. Who the rook, uh, the rookie who won the starting quarterback job for the New England Patriots? Yeah, uh, won the national title for Alabama, and then was drafted by the Patriots, and now he's going to be the starter. That's that's a huge nod. Storybook career so far. Yeah, I mean, for the hoodie to trust you, week one. And yeah, he looked good. <laughs> yeah, he looked good. She looks good. <laughs> Shampoo to you, Mac Jones. Shampoo to you. Shampoo. First of many, hopefully. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball. You can also find us on Twitter at LSportsball. Tune in next week when we induct Chad Johnson. Ocho Cinco. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always. Always.